0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. This is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits, episode 196, as we continue going through the Word of God this year. And today I'm back in Romans, and we will conclude with Romans chapter 5, verse 20, through chapter 6, verse 2. Today this is, in essence, a second taping a second episode of that section that we began yesterday, but we did not have time to do it justice in that one episode. So I wanted to make sure that we covered these things and really gave a good, solid understanding of what Paul is speaking about here and understanding how it applies to us. So in the last episode, we did discuss Romans chapter 5, And chapters one through five, we talked about how his whole premise there is to teach the understanding of justification by faith alone that is available through faith and grace to every guilty sinner who will believe in Jesus Christ and accept his finished work. So we want to pick up from that understanding to move forward today and understand a lot more about grace. I want to read Romans chapter 5, verse 20 through 6, chapter 6, verse 2, and then we will discuss where we left off and we'll move forward. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So I want to cover this issue of grace because he talks about sin abounding and we looked at that yesterday in the last episode. We talked about how the law only exposed the sin that was already occurring and made it evident and gave the understanding of how it was an offense. So that's what that's talking about. And in light of that, it also showed the shining measure of grace as all of the sacrifices and sacrificial system and the priesthood pointed to the once-for-all sacrifice That would be an act of God's grace to give on behalf of guilty sinners so that we could be justified by faith. So where I want to pick up today is where we left off yesterday. The key factor of understanding this is to understand grace. What is grace? I want to talk about what it is, and I hope to help you understand what it is not. Because today in our environment, we have teachings in the church all throughout the world that there's this basically what we call hyper grace. It's you can just come say a sinner's prayer, but you know, say you believe in Jesus, come every week, pay your tithes, live any way you want to during the week. And that is called the umbrella of grace. Well, grace just covers it. God understands and grace covers it and that's an erroneous teaching. It's heretical and it's wrong. Now, by the same token, teaching a works salvation and a legalistic salvation that you've got to keep this and do this and do the other and then you're saved, that's equally wrong because that's trying to teach people that it's Jesus plus or Jesus in addition to our works. That's wrong also. We are justified by faith alone, by an act of God's grace. So we need to understand what true grace is. So the first place that I want to read is in Titus chapter 2. I want to begin reading in verse 11 through 15 because Paul is writing to Titus here and he tells Titus, the exact understanding of what grace is and what it is not. What grace does and what it does for us, even for today. This is still applicable and it still needs to be completely understood. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 through 15 is where we will read. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us every lawless deed, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So Paul is clearing out for us the understanding of grace. He tells us that the grace of God has appeared to all men that brings salvation. So it's this saving grace, this same grace that he's talking about and will continue to expound on in the book of Romans. And he tells us here in Titus that this grace is a teaching grace. It teaches us to deny certain things. That means to renounce them, to disavow, refuse, reject, and disown those things. So what are we supposed to deny? Ungodliness and worldly lusts. Ungodliness will be all of those things that are not like God. They are not in accordance with his word and with his character. And those things that are displeasing to him, Abominable to him are those things that he hates, and the Bible tells us what he hates as well as what he loves. So to find out what we are to deny, we need to be reading the Word of God. It will give us clarity on all of the things that are ungodly. It also tells us that we are to disown, refuse, and reject worldly lusts. Those are the worldly passions sinfulness, in all kinds of areas. It could be any of those things discussed in Romans chapter one through three. Religiosity and legalism. It could be pride. It could be sexual sins and immorality. It could be doing those things that are against the natural affections and the body. It could be idolatry. It could be any of those things that fall into any of those categories. All of those things that God has saved us from and delivered us from, we are to now deny, reject, refuse, disown, and renounce. Because Jesus saved us and redeemed us from those lawless works so that we would be the bride of Jesus Christ He brought us out of those things to bring us to himself and that we are to be zealous for good works. It tells us that right here in Titus. So this teaching grace teaches us what to deny, ungodliness and worldly lusts. It also teaches us what we should be doing, what we should be receiving, the way we should be living. It says that we should deny those things But also it tells us how we should be living. It tells us that we should live, meaning our lifestyle, our everyday, day-to-day lifestyle, not in perfection. No one can live perfectly and without any sin whatsoever. That's where 1 John 1, 9 comes in, when we struggle and we mess up. And God will forgive us and pick us right back up and put us right back on the good path again. And so we get back up and we get going again. But our lifestyle, our motivation, our whole heart and heartfelt nature is changed when a person is saved. And that nature and that desire and that heart and that lifestyle also will change if it's sincere salvation. We are to live soberly. In other words, with a sound mind mindful of the things of Jesus, mindful of the word, mindful of the word of God, mindful of the walk, mindful of how we are to bring him honor. We are to live soberly, righteously, meaning doing things that are right, doing things that are righteous, standing for righteous causes, treating other people the way the Bible tells us to treat them, loving others, exhibiting the the love of Jesus Christ and sharing the word of God with them, caring for one another, etc. And that we should live godly, living to his honor, living a lifestyle that pleases him, living a life that is like him in his nature, in his character and in accordance with his word that's how our lifestyle should be on an ongoing and regular basis and when you first become a christian that's going to be a bit of a daily struggle and it's going to take you a while it's just like when you have maybe a baby and that baby has to grow and that baby has to develop but eventually the more training the more that baby works at it the more the the, the baby grows Jesus talked about abiding in the vine. The more we're abiding in the vine, the more growth we will see and development in this lifestyle. And God will help us day by day by day to overcome those things of our past and to have this new mindset and new lifestyle on a daily basis. And we will grow up and be able to walk just like the baby can grow to the point where it can walk. But you have to crawl around and scoot around first. So we need to understand that it is a process. But for every person who is sincere when they believe in Jesus Christ, that process begins. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us along in our growth as a Christian. So Titus tells us that it's a teaching grace, teaching us to deny certain things in our lifestyle, And instead of those things, we're to live a certain way in our lifestyle. And then he tells us not only that, but he tells us when. Now, in this present age. In other words, while we're still living with a heartbeat and breathing today. Now and from now on. All the while expecting and awaiting with confidence and patient endurance the expected fulfillment of God's promise when Jesus declared, I am going to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare that place I will come again. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is coming again to capture his church, to take his bride to himself and we are to be living This lifestyle in Titus, according to the power of God's spirit through his grace, teaching us day by day what to deny and the lifestyle we should live, all the while expecting Jesus to come back. Because Jesus has redeemed us from those evil things to be his pure and spotless bride, just like Paul talks about in Ephesians. Grace also has saved us to do good works, not saved us by good works. Nowhere in the scriptures does it teach us that good works save us. Even in the book of James, James's point is simply to promote and to help us understand that true sincere faith is in fact proven by good works. But the good works come after we have believed in Jesus Christ, and they are to be the result of that and evidentiary proof of our sincere faith in the Lord. So let's look at that. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says this, for by grace You have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we see Paul telling us here in Ephesians as well as in Titus that we are to be zealous for good works. God has prepared good works for us and those good works follow our sincere faith and grace of salvation, that God's grace that has saved us. He even tells us right here, you didn't get saved by any works of your own lest anybody should boast. You're saved through simply faith, putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And then God's grace meets that faith and has redeemed you and saved you. But now you're created in Christ Jesus, a brand new person to do good works so that he will be praised and he will be glorified. I want to read also in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 and 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14 says this, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works from your evil lifestyle, from the things he saved you from, to serve the living God. And the way we serve him is by doing those things that he has crafted beforehand in Christ Jesus for us to do that we now become zealous to do. And we want to do them to please him and to bring him glory and honor. Praise be to God. I want to also show you how grace empowers us through the Holy Spirit, and that is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. We will get there, and we will cover that in a lot more detail, but it talks about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. There's a superseding law that now works in us, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that empowers us. And I want to close out with this final two verses that I want to read you, or two passages. One is found in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. And it says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now my point here in bringing this out, there was a thorn in the flesh that was given to Paul because Paul was given great revelation and understanding in the knowledge of God and in the things of the word and in the things that that we needed to know and understand and live by and so that he would not become proud and exalted in that knowledge Because in another place, Paul writes and says, knowledge puffs up. So he understood that he could get a big head. And so God allowed some thorn in the flesh. And we don't know what that is. And people speculate about what that is. That's not important. What is important is to understand that the grace of God empowered him and sustained him through it all. And my point is to help us understand that, too, the grace of God, just like with Paul, will sustain us. He will carry us through various difficulties, trials in life, whether they are brought by the devil or whether they're natural, you know, sicknesses or whatever that just occur in life and in the wearing down of the body. Whatever it is, the point is. That God has all sufficient grace, which will sustain us. That's another facet of the wonder of God's beautiful grace. And then, in chapter 6 of Romans, we're going to get into this a lot more in the next episode and forward as we look at chapters 6 through 8, which is, in essence, the second section of Romans. The first section of Romans, Romans 1 through 5, is where he really deals with justification by faith alone. Romans chapter 6 through 8 is where he deals with this theological term called sanctification. And it just means how we're living then, how we live once we're saved. Now that we've been justified by faith alone and our past is gone and Jesus has redeemed us from those dead works, then what does that really mean in the lifestyle of the believer? And that's what he's going to get into in full. But he starts off in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And he wants to clear up any form of misunderstanding from his last few verses of the chapter 5. Now remember, the verses in the chapters are given by translators much later for our benefit. So Paul's just writing this whole letter as one big letter but he wants to make sure that people do not misunderstand his point because he said where sin abounded, grace abounded more. So he starts off chapter six with, well, does that mean that, you know, so that we can have a whole lot more grace, we just keep on sinning. And he says in the strongest negative possible, absolutely, positively, 100% no. That is not what he meant, and that's not what he was saying. So he makes a straightforward directive to explain what he was and was not saying. And this is where we need to reject all forms of this hyper-grace type of teaching. Yes, we are saved by faith alone, by God, or through faith alone, by God's grace. But his grace is now has redeemed us so that we can then be zealous for good works. And I want to close out with this final passage. And it's found in John chapter 15. And I want to read two verses. I want to read verse 8 and verse 16. Verse 8 says this, By this, my father is glorified that you, meaning the disciples, meaning those in his family, all of those who believe in him, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Here again, the proof is in the lifestyle. And Jesus makes that very clear. But he says the reason that he has saved us and chosen us is for us to bear fruit so that our Father is glorified. In verse 16, he says this, of that same chapter, he says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you whatever we need to complete the work he's given us. Whatever is in accordance with his will and his character, he supplies so that we can go and bear fruit and bring him glory and honor. And I don't know of a true Christian that doesn't want to do that because just the the way God's grace teaches us, it has made us zealous for these good works. Why? Because we want to boast in Him. We want to praise Him. We want to shine for Him and point people to Him because He's so good and so faithful and so wonderful. So I pray that this has been a blessing to you and has helped you understand a biblical understanding of true grace. The grace of God that has saved all of us who put our simple faith in Jesus Christ and in his finished work alone. And it's that grace that will carry us through and that will teach us how to live by the power of the Holy Spirit to please the Lord who saved us so that we bring him glory and honor. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.